Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mama Jack. Today, we have a very special guest. She's a great friend of mine. Her name is Nicole Hennessy. She does it all. She is a life coach. She is an influencer on TikTok. She has a blog. She runs retreats for women all around. Just a beautiful person. I don't think she needs much more of an introduction. Let's just jump right into it. Hi, everybody. We have Nicole Hennessy here. We are talking about teen pregnancy today, and I wanted to ask her a few questions because she had a teen pregnancy. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Jackie. So I understand your journey started a little before you were pregnant. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So, you know, typical teenage girl stuff. Definitely was a rebel and kind of doing my own thing. My family dynamic was always really interesting. My mom and dad were divorced and that caused a lot of them being focused on kind of the dating world in their own right and what they wanted next. So me being the independent rebellious teenager I was, I definitely seeked a lot of attention outside of my family dynamic which got me into this relationship with a boy a few years older than me. And at the age of 15, we started going out. And at 16, his mother had asked him to leave his home. And he didn't really have any place to go. And since I was already very separated from my parents, the two of us ended up getting an apartment together. So here I am junior in high school, living with my boyfriend in an apartment. And I thought I was living the dream. He was everything a girl could possibly want. Very sweet, very charismatic. And then that all started to shift. So over time, he started to get more and more aggressive and angry Um, His stories stopped aligning. So things that he told me about himself and his life, his siblings, his career choices, all of a sudden started having these very large holes in them. So as that continued, he would tell me like he was in the military and he was going to go away on active duty, but he actually wasn't in the military, things like that. He would get very, very jealous of me and my friendships. And it got to the point where after months of mental abuse, it started to get very physical. And I did not at the time in my life think that there was better out there for me. I definitely was in a position of I just wanted a family dynamic, right? So I was trying to create that on my own. And he started to get more and more abusive. And finally, after months and months of this, a couple girlfriends of mine witnessed it. So I was supposed to go have lunch with some friends. He lost his mind on me and spit in my face, told me I was cheating on him, all the nasty things that a guy can do. And I left anyway with my friends and they convinced me to go home to my mom's and to take some time and process if this relationship was healthy. And I did that with the encouragement of some really amazing girlfriends of mine and decided to get out of this relationship. 
So fast forward, five months go by. I've left this guy. He's moved out of state at this point. And I go to take a shower and realize when I get out and have dried off that my nipples are wet and I didn't understand why. So I dried myself off better and they still were. And I thought, oh my God, I'm dying of breast cancer or something's wrong with me. (laughs) And I'm panicking and freaking out. I call my older sister and I said, you know, Marie, either I'm pregnant or I have breast cancer. I don't know what to do. So she goes and gets me a pregnancy test. I take the pregnancy test and the second, the second pee hits a stick, it's like you are as pregnant as can be. And I mean, you know, so obviously what was happening is I, it was producing colostrum. Yeah. And I had to sit down and tell my parents this. I was back living with my mom, like I had said, and my, I told her first with my sister and my mom was very supportive, like definitely terrified, definitely scared, but also like, whatever you want to do, I'm here for you. And my dad, I remember I was so afraid to tell my father and he came over to the house. He sat on the couch. I uttered the words, I am pregnant. And he went, and he put his hand on his forehead and like looked down at the ground. And I swear to you, it felt like seven hours went by before he spoke a word. It was probably five minutes, but it was the longest five minutes a teenage girl could ever experience in her life. And he just said, what are we doing? And I'm like, well, I, I don't know. Like I, I just found this out. So I go to the doctor. I find out I'm five and a half months pregnant. Oh my God. So it doesn't even matter at that point. The choice was made for you. The choice, the choice was made for me. One choice was put to side. Like exactly. So we have three, right? So we have three choices and I clearly was too far along in my pregnancy to even really be able to consider one of them. And rightfully so, that was fine. And I found out the sex of my child that I was having a girl two weeks after I found out I was pregnant because I was so far along in the pregnancy. I was terrified. I had gone to Mexico and partied hard like a, you know, girl would and amongst all the other things or all the other things that I was doing, not taking multivitamins. Like I was just like, what have we done? Like this, this is a very scary pregnancy at this point. Yeah. And, you know, also to intertwine that I had been separated from probably right around the time I got pregnant to this current time. I have not had any communication with the father, nor did I want any. So that was a very scary part of the journey too, is deciding what I wanted to do and communicating that to this ex of mine who was both physically and mentally incredibly abusive person. Yeah, I could imagine that's very scary because you finally get out of this abusive relationship and then you have this child that's going to connect you to them forever. And it's like, that had to have been a very scary thing. So what did you end up doing as far as he was concerned. So again, with, with age comes wisdom, right? So at the time it was like, I, I don't know any other option, but to just call him, right. To get in communication with him and tell him I'm pregnant. And part of me was hoping he was going to change, you know, that 
all of a sudden, this is going to make him a better person. Maybe we'll end up back together. He's going to be a great dad, right? Like all these high hopes and, you know, that magical button. If I buy a house, if I have a baby, whatever, things will get better. Yeah. And so I had these high hopes and expectations. He at first was receptive. He was like, yeah, okay, we're going to have a kid. Like, when's the baby due? I'll come back from Vegas to Arizona. I want to be there for the baby's birth, all these things. But then, of course, I did not hear from him. Not through the entire pregnancy, the rest of the pregnancy. At this point, like, I was still in high school. I had to figure that out. The baby was due before I would graduate. I was pregnant senior year. Um, She was born in April, and I believe I graduated at the end of May. So this is like maternity leave time frame, right? Yeah. So I had gone to my principal. I had also communicated with him. Hands down, Mr. Zelensky, amazing man. He just, when I sat down with him and said, I need to talk to you about something, I'm pregnant. He looked at me and he said, okay, what can I do for you? And that was it. There was no shaming there, none of it. I was very fortunate to have such an amazing principal and um, my teachers also incredible people, especially one, Mr. Hunting, who made it very possible for me to graduate. I mean, you know, I was having a baby during finals and the whole dynamic was just insane. So everybody was pretty supportive. There was a lot of whispering when I'd walk in the hallways which is to be anticipated because, you know, high schoolers can be mean. Yeah. And overall, though, I had good support from my friends. I was kind of like my parents were supportive, but also kind of like, this is your bed. You have to lie in it. Yeah. I was able to buy a house before I graduated. So on my 18th birthday, like that week, I had closed on a condo that I bought and I was going to live by myself with my daughter. And mind you, through this experience, while my parents are amazing grandparents and super involved in her life and always have been, the fear from them from a parent perspective was, you're too young, you can't do this, right? Yeah. So... In that sense, there was a lot of push for adoption to the point where they actually gave my phone number to some couples that they knew were interested in adoption and had them call me. Damn. Um, So that was very uncomfortable (laughs) because I knew that's not what I wanted and it was being very pressured on me. Um, I didn't feel like even though they were going to support me, I didn't feel like they thought I could do it, which I think helped me do it, to be honest. Yeah. That grittiness of like, you know, screw all of you. I'm (laughs) going to prove you wrong. Yeah. I can do it. So I ended up getting this house. I graduated from high school. I've got pictures of me in my braces and my cap and gown holding my couple month old baby. Um, (laughs) Super classy graduation photos right there for the book. And I got this condo. And I had a girlfriend that was also a single mom. Uh, Well, she was pregnant at the time. I asked her if she would live with me for free. And I, in return, would have her watch my child instead of me having to figure out the cost of childcare. Yeah. So we made it work. Like, it it wasn't easy, but we made it work. Um, I wasn't allowed maternity leave at my job. 
I had just started working for the Marriott when I found out I was pregnant. They had just hired me. So I wasn't eligible because I wasn't with the company long enough yet. Yeah. So I would take a week off. I had my baby. I had to go work a shift and then they would give me another week off and then I would go work a shift. Well, that's nice at least that they did that. But I mean, the money part of it is horrible, but at least they let you have a little bit of time with your kid, you know? Yes. They gave me time to heal. They were very understanding. I had great managers. I I have nothing but good things to say about them. It's just, you know, the complicated part comes from an HR perspective and it, you know, this is America. (laughs) We don't do the best with our maternity leave and childcare in in the U.S. So it it was difficult. I found recently a W-2 from that year. And I realized that I made $19,000. And yes, this is 19 years ago, but $19,000 still was not a lot of money. And I, it blows my mind that I was able to make that work. Yeah. And it wasn't easy. It was, it was a very hard, very scary journey of feeling completely isolated and alone With the whole pregnancy, you obviously didn't have any complications or anything like that. The birth went well, everything like that, nothing to worry about there. What happened with all of that? So my birth was fine, except for I did hemorrhage during childbirth, which this is more common within teen pregnancy. I wasn't really aware of that. I wasn't very educated. I wish I would have had a doctor that took a little bit more time to respect that I was a teen mom and educate me better on childbirth. I feel like in that world, a lot of times it's assumed if you're pregnant and you're going through childbirth that you're educating yourself, but at that age, you don't. Yeah. So I wish I would have had that. I really went in pretty blind. I didn't know how to breastfeed a child. I didn't know, you know, more than I knew from uh, some babysitting jobs in my teen years. And so I did take a class at the hospital and that was semi-helpful. But, you know, you, you go to a class for an hour or two and then you're going to parent this kid for the rest of your life. There, there's more to learn than, than they can teach you in, you know, this hour long class at a hospital. What was going through your mind? Like you have this newborn, you're 18 years old. Was your mom there to help you at all at first? Or were you completely all on your own in your new place? Was your friend already there? Like, cause I know, you know, even having Kennedy, I think I was 33 years old. Whenever I had him, I was scared to death. So as an 18 year old, without all the life experience and seeing other kids, you know, other friends with their kids coming home? Like, how did that feel to you? What was going through your head, if you can remember, around that time? So I was still living with my mom when I delivered my daughter. I lived with my mom until I graduated high school. Mm -hmm. So until my daughter was maybe around two, three months old. Okay. And my mom worked full time. She was a single mom paying off college debt because she had gone back to college after the divorce She was dating a new guy who's now her husband. So there was a lot going on there. I was allowed to live with her, but she wasn't able to help me as far as like caring for my child. Mm -hmm. And bless her heart, my grandmother, my mom's mom, 
came to town and she would watch my daughter, this brand new, fragile, fresh out of the womb baby for me so I could go to school during the day. I did have a half day schedule because I was a senior, which was helpful, but she would stay at the apartment that my mom and I lived in and watch her for that first half of the day while I went to school. So honestly, I give her a lot of credit because I don't know to this. I don't think I would have graduated. I don't have, I had no other plan. She just, without even being asked, swooped in and just showed up for me. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that's a lot of people don't get that. It sounds like it's, it was a hard thing to go through, but you had a, quite a bit of support at the beginning there. Yeah, my, my grandmother was a lifesaver for sure. And then having a friend that was in a similar situation to my own that we could support and lean on each other was also a lifesaver for sure. That That was hard to find. And, you know, I think that it's... Even though it's hard to find, I think it's out there for most people if we really hunt for it. You have to – I had to humble myself a lot. I had to say, I need this. I can't do this on my own and know where my weaknesses lied and find support in those ways. And I had to demand it and ask for it. And I think that as new moms in general – we have such a hard time asking for help because we feel like we're not good enough as mothers if we need help. Yeah. And, you know, that, I mean, that's something that I think we're starting to preach more and um, understand and share with each other. But it definitely, it definitely was the only way I was going to be okay. I mean, for, for, having a teen pregnancy, you had your life together pretty well. Like you had a job. I'm sure, you know, once postpartum went by a little more, you were able to pick up more shifts and, you know, you pretty much did this all on your own and that's very respectable. And that is teens that get pregnant cannot do for themselves. So you definitely had a maturity level. I feel like that was higher than a lot of other teens that end up having babies. Uh, Well, absolutely. I think you know, unfortunately, sometimes the the hard things in our lives really do strengthen us. So living on my own from the age of 15 and working and paying rent for an abusive boyfriend definitely trained me to be responsible and trained me to depend on myself financially. And again, like having that girlfriend live with me that could watch my child and figure that part out of it really took a load off of stress because I don't, I wasn't eligible for childcare assistance. I made just enough money not to get that, but I did not make enough money to pay for it. It's always that way. The system is so broken here. Even that, that was like what, 20 years ago, even then, like it's, when will it ever get better? But can you remember like, what was your hardest part? about that whole pregnancy when she was an infant? What was the hardest part to deal with? Was it the initial, like, knowing you were pregnant? Was it after she was born and you were holding her? Like, holy crap, I now have a, a, I actually have a life to take care of other than my own. What was that moment where, you know, did you have a moment where you kind of 
lost touch of things at all? I would say, honestly, for me, that came more with like when she started walking Mm -hmm. and demanding things. Um, Newborn for me wasn't too bad because she I was lucky with a pretty easy baby as far as like she was a good sleeper and she wasn't colicky like she was pretty low maintenance and I had a friend living with me to help so that part wasn't too bad but it did get to the point where my friend was ready to move on and not live with me anymore and I was going to be living all by myself and with a child, and this child was now walking and getting into things, but not quite ready to fully communicate with me. Mm-hmm. And we all know how hard the toddler years are. Oh, yeah. And that was probably the hardest time for me. I felt more isolated then because I no longer had a roommate. So it was hard to feel fully isolated when you had a girlfriend living with you, right? Mm-hmm. And I was all of a sudden on my own and trying so hard to get other moms to come like over and hang out. But there is not a lot of friends for moms that are that young. Yeah. And that is very, very difficult. Like I luckily I had two, right? I had the girl that was my roommate and another friend who had a son who I met through the daycare. Because at this point, my daughter went to daycare because my roommate moved out. Yeah. And so here I am, you know, financially going to the grocery store and buying one chicken breast from the butcher to go home and cook for dinner for me and my child because that's all I could afford to do. You know, struggling to make sure my electric bill could be paid and dealing with a pretty unsafe environment. I, because I was so young and didn't have a lot of money, I was in a pretty not safe neighborhood. Yeah. And my car was broken into, my car was stolen another time. Somebody tried to break in my bedroom window while I was sleeping. Oh my God. I had to mace somebody who tried to jump in my car window once. It was, it was not a good environment (laughs) that I lived in, but it's all I could imagine for myself. I couldn't imagine better for myself because this, like, this is the money I make and this is the house I have. And so this is how my life will always be. Yeah. And you get stuck in that mindset, right? You get stuck in this, like, this is it for me. It's never going to be any better. And then that starts to tear you down. Yeah. And then not having friends and feeling so isolated caused resentment Not that I resented my daughter in a sense of I wish I didn't have her, but I was frustrated with her for making it where I couldn't just like go hang out with a friend whenever I wanted or couldn't just go spend the night at a guy's house that I was dating or whatever. Yeah. So it did affect you when it came to the normal teenage and early 20s things that you do, like going out and drinking or just going to a party or just hanging out with people. I'm sure also at the same point, you have a baby when you have a kid and you're responsible with your kid, which you were, it's way different of a mindset for somebody like you than an average 18, 19, 20, 21 year old, you know? So even relating to those people was probably hard at the same time. Oh, I thought everybody was like so petty. Every time I got the opportunity to go out with friends that were my age, 
I was just like, this isn't fun. Like there's, they, they worry about the dumbest things. They're so entitled, like, it, because we just weren't the same. Yeah. Our lives were so different. Mm-hmm. None of them were struggling. Yeah. None of them had restrictions on their ability to do things, right? Like they just didn't get it. None of them had to go to the grocery store and panic about being able to afford to feed another human. Yeah. Or buy diapers. Yeah. So I definitely, I, and no fault of my friendships, I definitely started to see myself and my friendships fade Mm -hmm. because there was no longer this common connection that we had. Yeah. I feel like I, I mean, you know, I had my first at like 33, but because it was in Los Angeles and a lot of people are still at that phase in their thirties in Los Angeles. I kind of feel you on that because a lot of my friendships ended up dwindling away because my time went to my kid and I had to do everything for Kennedy and I just couldn't relate to that. Same as what you're saying. Like everything seems so petty. It's like, you know, when your friend without a kid calls you and they're like, Oh, I'm so tired. And you're just like, you want to reach through the phone and screw like, you smack them. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, or, you or canceling. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Okay, so you, when did you meet your current husband? Uh, My daughter was four turning five. Okay, so she was still pretty young. Now, how did you meet him? We worked together at the Marriott, actually. So Mm -hmm. I did restaurant sales and marketing, and he was the chef of one of the restaurants. Oh, nice. Okay. And how was, so dating before him, obviously it was probably pretty hard because you were so young with a kid. How was it different with him? You know, dating in general was very hard. Even with him, it was very hard. And first of all, I always dated older men because I did not have a strong connection with men my own age because they didn't understand the dynamic of parenting. Yeah. And so that made that very hard. And most of them were a little scared. Like they were like, she looks like she's a good time for tonight, but I don't want to have a long-term relationship. Yeah. So that is kind of what I got accustomed to. I dated guys that were like 10 years older than me, seven years older than me, whatever. When I met my now husband, we actually, I thought he disliked me which I was completely wrong on, but he's a very introverted, very shy person and he would never talk to me. And so I thought he just hated me, but he was actually obsessed with me, which, (laughs) (laughs) you know, whatever. So it just by fluke, we were supposed to all as a group go out after an event one night at work and nobody showed up but him and I, and we ended up talking all night he ended up kissing me in the parking lot and we've been together since. Oh. So that, but even then for the first like year of our relationship, it was a lot of, okay, my daughter's in bed asleep now. You can come over. Mm-hmm. And he would come over and we would watch a movie. We would have sex and then he would go home. Yeah. And I wasn't comfortable with him spending the night at my house on a regular basis and my daughter getting attached to him. Mm-hmm. And at one point I tried to break it off with him. Like it was getting, I was getting too attached to him. And I was like, this, I'm too attached. Like, so I should run away, <laughs> you know, yeah. I should, I should run away before he runs away from me. Yeah. And he was like, well, too late. Cause I'm in love with you, you know? And after that, we decided for him to move in with me and 
And that was hard. It was really hard going from being a single mom and feeling really financially scared and also very physically and mentally alone to having a partner that wants to be in it with you is honestly one of the hardest things. And I know that sounds so strange because like, what more could you want than having somebody really in it with you? And I didn't know how to share responsibility. Yeah. It's like and I didn't trust. Thing. Yeah. You, you've had it all under control. You have your shit together. Somebody else steps in. Are they going to start to try to control the situation? Are you going to have to like shift some things with parenting? Like I could imagine being scared at that moment as well. So I was not nice, right? Like I really wasn't nice to him. If he had any opinion on anything my daughter was doing or like tried to correct her on anything, I was like mama bear to the highest possibility. I was just like, who the fuck are you (laughs) trying to tell my kid what to do right now? And it was really hard for him. And honestly, like, you know, props to him for staying in a relationship with me because I was not easy to be in a relationship with. Yeah. The, the, thing that changed for me was there was a night that we were sleeping in bed and Angelina woke up sick and she threw up and I did not hear her, but he was still awake and um, he got up to see what was wrong and saw that she had thrown up all over herself and he took her in the bathroom and held her hair back while she threw up in the toilet and then he cleaned her all up and then I woke up because I heard noise and come out and this is what I wake up to. Mm-hmm. My boyfriend who just moved in taking care of my daughter. Yeah. And that was the moment for me that I was like, I can trust him. Yeah. Like we're safe with him. Yeah. That's amazing. So how long after that did you end up getting married? Uh, <laughs> Well, we actually broke up for a little while um, and he had moved out and then we decided to try to make it work and he moved back in. We got another house together. I got pregnant again with his kid and our daughter was a year old when we got married. So my daughter was eight. Mm -hmm. My oldest was eight. Yes. And how was the transition in introducing your firstborn to your, you know, then boyfriend, now husband, how did that go? It happened pretty naturally. I started out by taking her to dinner at his restaurant that he worked at. And he like came over and just said hi and introduced himself as my friend. And then I ended up inviting him to her birthday party for her fifth birthday. Mm -hmm. And that was like when my parents got to meet him and she started to naturally put it together. Mm-hmm. That like they spend a lot of time together. They are more than friends. And there was never any pressure on her to see him or like look at him any differently than like my mom's partner. Mm-hmm. Because I was so worried about her having like yet another man disappoint her because her dad never did show up. Right. Like he never was there. Yeah. And so the idea of her losing two father figures was a big concern to me, but it just kind of naturally happened with time. And they were like best buddies. And then after we had our first child together, she started to call him dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really sweet. So you had your first kid with him and then you had a second, right? 
Yes. Okay. So by this time, your first was how old? Like... Um, she was eight when my when my middle child was born, my second child, and she was eleven when my third child my third child was born. Okay. So as a teen mom yourself, eleven years old, that starts puberty, right? What steps were you taking to, because I'm sure you were like super paranoid, right? You're like, I was a teen mom. I did this and that. I thought, you know, I had a, you know, blip, whatever it was. I don't know. Were you on birth control? Were you just not using protection? What steps did you take to, like, did you have sex talks super early? Like, what were the steps you were taking with her at that time to try to prevent it from happening to her? Oh my God. All the things, girl. Like I thought that I was the master of all teen parents on how to communicate and keep your kids safe. Like hundred percent. That's what I thought. (laughs) I definitely had all the talks with her. I still believe that one thing that I really did right and will continue to do with all of my children is never make anything awkward. So our conversations were always relaxed and truthful. And my motto with her was, I am your Google. Mm -hmm. Any questions you have, I promise to not judge you, get upset with you or make things weird. I will answer your questions and I will be honest with you because I want to make sure that you're not getting misinformation. Yeah. So that was always a big thing. Mm -hmm. You know, as she entered her teen years, she, she actually, she had sex and she told me. Mm -hmm. So basically she had a friend who had an older brother, right. And that whole situation and I slept over at the house and it happened. And she sat down with me about a week after and told me it happened. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in some senses I did something right because how often do is like an on your own, not even be, not even me questioning it came to me and said, I need to talk to you about something that happened. Yeah. That's like the ultimate trust. Honestly, it's so hard for teens to talk to their parents, even when they're open. It's very hard to talk to your parents. It can be embarrassing. You could feel shamed almost, you know, and you gave her that safe place. So that's a beautiful thing that happened. Yes, um, I agree. I mean, she, you could definitely still tell she's embarrassed to tell me, but at least she wasn't so embarrassed or afraid of repercussions that she knew. Because, again, another motto of mine is you're never going to be punished for being truthful. There may be natural consequences, but I'm not going to punish you for being honest. Yes. So she knew that. And so she felt safe to tell me. And we talked about what the natural consequences of that would be. So I made her an appointment with a gynecologist. I said, if you're going to treat your body as if you're a grown woman, you need to start taking care of your body as if you are a grown woman. And you will go to a gynecologist and you will be educated and you will be given options on birth control and you can decide if that's right for you and what methods there are. And... I am no longer comfortable with you spending the night at this girl's house. Yeah. And also, I'm not giving you permission to have sexual relationships. So that means, you know, I'm still going to continue to check up on you. I'm not going to let you be alone with boys, et cetera. Yeah. 
So that's what we did. I took her to the gynecologist. They educated her a little bit more. I stepped out of the room so she could privately talk to her doctor about different forms of birth control and decide if she wanted to go that route and which route. So she decided to go on the birth control pill. And I continued to probably, honestly, I was like overprotective when it came to the boys situation, like a lot of me checking in a lot, like always called the houses, always made sure that there was like supervision, even if it was a girl's house and boys were coming over or whatever. Yeah. And she had a boyfriend that she got in a very serious relationship with. And I would do the same. I would call the mom. I would talk to the mom all the time. I even sat the both of them down together and had a conversation with them about it which is probably overstepping now that I think about it. Like, that's probably wasn't that appropriate. (laughs) But I was just like, this can't happen. My daughter will not get pregnant, right? Mm -hmm. And they broke up and she was taking medication and like besides the birth control. And she, this new boy kind of liked her. She was pretty heartbroken about the breakup. And she ended up with this other boy and ta-da, she's pregnant. Oh, so what did that bring up in you? (laughs) What didn't it bring up in me? (laughs) Um, So when she found out she was pregnant, we found out together. I got a test from the store, had her take it. I heard her scream in the bathroom. I was like, she's pregnant because you don't scream when it's negative, right? Yeah. <laughs> and at that age, at least. And so I knocked on the door. She opened it and I said, do you need a hug? And she said, yeah. And I held her. And I have never had to fight back crying so hard in my life. Like I had so many, I was pissed. I was disappointed in her. I was disappointed in myself. I was terrified all the things, right? So many feelings at once. But I told myself, you will never, ever be able to relive this moment. And the way you respond right now is going to impact how she looks at herself and how she will come to you ever again after this. Yeah. And so I just gave her space. Like I held her for a while, let her cry. And then I said, hey, I need to take a minute. Is that okay? And I went outside and I sat on the ground in my backyard and I just bawled, like scream crying, bawled my eyes out. The journey there forward was like a roller coaster ride. It At first it was like not everything was triggering. It was like, okay, she had, she had time. It was really early in the pregnancy. So she wasn't sure what she wanted to do yet. So... I, you know, just gave her space to make her own choice. Mm -hmm. And once she decided that she was going to have this baby, we um, were like, okay, so here's how we can support you. Here's how we will not. And you can live here with us, whatever. And then like stuff started to just trigger my own teen pregnancy. And it was really hard to not be selfish in the, like, to separate the two, if that makes sense. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not about me. It's about her. Yeah. And that was really hard for me to do. 
because when something triggers you, when you're feeling super impacted by any experience in your life, when somebody is triggering you by their own experience, like our feelings are valid, right? Like we're allowed to feel a certain way about a certain situation. The problem is you have to be so careful not to let your trauma, your experience, impact the way you show up for those other people in your life. Yeah. And I'm sure I messed up a few times. Nothing detrimental, but there, as we got closer to delivery, more and more stuff would kind of come up with just kind of around like what I was doing for her versus like what I had from my family. Mm -hmm. And because my parents are so involved in her life as well, it was kind of a lot of like, well, you need to be doing this for her. And I was like, but what? Like, you didn't do that for me. Yeah. And not, don't get me wrong. Like I said, my parents were very supportive and loving, but I, but I also was very independent where, where my daughter is not. Yeah. In that sense. You know what I mean? Like she wasn't like, okay, I'm moving out, getting my yeah. own place. Yeah. So the dynamics were just very different and it was very triggering. I think more triggers came about though after her son was born for me. Because that situation just kind of caused a lot of like me feeling like I was doing everything right to support her, but then not feeling like it was appreciated and feeling like maybe I deserve more appreciation than I actually do because I didn't have that help. Yeah. So that, that was difficult. I will say though, through the, um, through the pregnancy, the the two hardest things for me as her mother were first, since I was also a teen mom, blaming myself. What did I do wrong? How did I not educate her good enough? And what could I have done differently? It took me longer than I wish it would have to give myself the grace and say, it's nothing I did wrong. This can just happen. Yeah. And I didn't do things wrong. Like I did call and make sure that she was supervised when she was with boys. It was the other parent that lied to me and said they were supervising and were not. Right. Mm -hmm. I did put my daughter on birth control. If, if she was also on a medication that made it not work as well, like did I, oops, like we should have talked more about that? Yes. But she also was single at the time. So I wasn't overly worried about it. Yeah. And you can't beat yourself up, you know, that you just, you got to give yourself grace. And so that part was very difficult. And um, the other part was when you have a child and they're in high school, you start to mentally prepare for that day of graduation and what's next in their journey. And so the image in most mother's heads is my child's going to graduate, they're going to go to college, and I'm going to have to say goodbye to them, and they're no longer going to be living at my house. They're going to be living in a dorm, and it's going to feel empty here without them, and that's weird. And what happened for us was one day I have this 16-year-old daughter who's walking in the door with her backpack from school, and the next morning 
she's waking up and trying to decide what the rest of her life is going to look like as a woman. And I can't help her. I can't solve that for her. I can't take that fear away. And I have to let her figure this out. Yeah. And also, I never got to ease into my daughter being a woman. Yeah. It was, you're a kid, and now you're a mother. Yeah, and I'm sure she's feeling that, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, it's, it's a grieving process to become a teen mom. Not that having a child is like horrible, but it is so much of you. You can't be selfish and be a mother. And 19 year olds, 18 year olds, 17 year olds are naturally selfish as they should be because they are at the age where they are discovering who the heck they are as a person. Yep. And that gets stolen from you. Mm-hmm. And so to know it was being stolen from my daughter and I knew how hard it was going to be and how triggering and stressful the next five to six years of her life especially will be was heartbreaking. Well, at least though, she has a great role model. I mean, look at what you've gone through and what you've built. You do so much good for people and you have so many things that you're involved in and you're such an inspiration that lives literally in the same house as her. So I know as a teenager, she's, you know, probably, you know, you guys have your things as teenagers and parents do, but she has such a good hardworking role model right in front of her and she's very lucky to have that. I think most people in that situation struggle a lot more and you help so much and she's very, very lucky to have you. I'd say she's, you know, in a great situation for, you know, having a child at such a young age. I know she probably is going to feel at some point she was robbed of a little bit of her like youth, but do you miss those years? Do you miss like 21, 22, 23? Were you still going out, you know? So for me, it came later. Mm -hmm. And I, that's how I explained it to her is either you choose to not be a mother right now and you get the Mm -hmm. next five to 10 years to discover yourself, to go to college, to party, to travel the world, whatever, right? You get to do all the stuff. Or you have a child young, and then you will get that later in life. Yeah. So I'm at the point now where my youngest is nine, and I have way more freedom than any of my friends with kiddos do because I have the oldest kids. Yeah. And I see them struggle. And like, I mean, I know you. I know where you're at on your journey with your children. Yeah. And- you know, I am on the other side of that now and I'm only 37. So I'm still young enough. I'm still a whippersnapper. I like to say (laughs) (laughs) that I can embrace life and discover who I am as a woman. Yeah. And that's awesome. I hope she understands the same thing and I'm sure she will over time. I mean, I know right now she has a toddler, she's working, she's going through a lot of crap, 
but I really, really hope she sees how much of an inspiration she has right at her fingertips and how you're a life coach. Like, I know it's like the thing with all therapists and psychologists and everything like that. They're like, your kids never want to like use you for that. Or like they <laughs> Absolutely. Feel like you're judging them because you are one, but you literally can set her up for whatever she needs like people pay for this and she has all of this for free and I just like you're such an inspiration with what you went through and what you did with your life and it is a beautiful thing I mean you could have went down a completely different path but you truly made a hard situation into honestly I think the best scenario you could through working your ass off and humbling yourself and now look what you have. Like, you're very successful. And I wish I wish that for her as well. You know, I wish that for her as well. She's still, I mean, what she had her baby like two years ago now, right? Yeah. So she's still at the beginning, you know. But I feel like once she gets to her humbling age, she's really going to appreciate the leader that she has in front of her. And she's so lucky. I can't, I just can't express that enough. She's so lucky to have you. I hope you realize that. Well, thank you. I don't know if she always feels lucky, but that is the dynamic of a mother and a 19 year old daughter living together with both of them having children in the house and trying yes. to coexist. Well, it is, it's definitely not an easy dynamic there. You know, there has to be a lot of boundaries and, there's definitely good days and bad days and where we drive each other crazy. And, you know, it's hard. It, it is, it is a very, very difficult thing. And I, while I don't wish struggle and a hard teen pregnancy on anybody in the world, you know, I would just say like, it's all about finding support systems and, humbling yourself to know it's okay that you don't know how to do all the things. And when people try to help you and guide you and teach you the things, they're not judging you. They love you Mm -hmm. and they want to help you be successful. Yeah. And I think it's just, it doesn't matter if you're a 17 year old mom or a 37 year old having your first child, the the same rule applies. Yeah. Let people help you. Mm -hmm. Now don't let people tell you how to raise your child, but let, let people help you. Hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you wanted to share that you didn't get in? I don't think so. I think we did a good job covering it all. Okay. Well, it was so great to have you. And I'm definitely looking forward to having you on here again. So thank you so much for today. And your story is truly inspiring. I hope you realize that. I truly hope you do. Because I know... You live your life day to day and you just go, 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 go. And when you're so young going through something, it's hard to step back and take a look at the bigger picture. And what you went through was so hard and you turned it in like you almost this podcast almost makes it seem easy from what I'm hearing. And I know how hard it was, but Hmm. like with the way you handled things, it you just handled it with such grace and congratulations for that. Well, thank you. I think I do typically like try to say stuff like, well, I just did it like this, you know, and it does make it maybe sound easy. And so for the record, just to not, you know, make it seem that way, 
it was years of therapy and it was years of like resentment and loneliness and struggle and all the things. And I, I never want to be back in that place. Never. Like I am, I am so blessed and so happy that I am in a different place in my life today than I was back then. And while I don't regret my choices, it was, it was definitely a war within myself and with my environment. And it, it is not something that anybody should ever take lightly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you, Jackie. And I love you. And thank you for doing this interview with me. Oh, you know, I love you too. So with that, we have someone who's been a single mother, a teenage mother, had a teen that had a baby. I mean, wow. Wow. She's gone through a lot. And you know what? She's used her life and her experiences to help others, to inspire others, to, you know, just spread some light around the situation. She worked her butt off. She definitely did. You guys heard it. She worked her butt off. What a beautiful story. And she continues to inspire me every day. Um, Thank you so much for listening today. I do have a little bit of a bonus at the end. Show a little bit of the process of what we go through when I interview people. When she was talking about her story, it was very upbeat. And she was a little worried about that because a lot of people do not feel upbeat in that situation. So here is a little clip from the end of our conversation. And I will leave you with that. If you like, follow me on here. Subscribe. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on TikTok. I'm on it all. Okay. Everybody have a great day. Or if you... You know, if you listen to it and you're like, no, it does sound too, she made it sound too easy and you want me to be like more dramatic, I can, I can do I, that. I don't want you to be more dramatic because as like, you know, teen moms listen to this, I want it to, I want them to have hope, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't want them to be like, oh, it was so hard and rough and blah, blah, blah. Yes, it was rough. Obviously there, it's always going to be rough when you're, you have a teen pregnancy, But I look at your story and the way you said it as hope. Like you did it. You worked your ass off. You made it happen and you did it, you know, which is what they should be thinking because they are having a baby. So I don't think it sounded too easy. And I didn't mean to like, um, what's it called? Make your story seem like, oh, you had it easy. But like, oh, yeah, no, you didn't. You didn't. I no, I just want to. And I agree. It's it would be not my personality to make it kind of like a victim mentality thing and talk about it like poor me it was so hard it's Mm -hmm. more like yeah it was really hard so I had to like get through that yeah yeah and here's here's how yeah and it's perfect